Hey, welcome to The Conversation. You're listening to Andy Mason, and this is Authentic Conversations around the messy intersection of faith, family, and business. And I've got with me today Aaron Christofferson. Uh, originally, uh, well, I believe, originally the Northwest now, and we met in the Southeast of the United States. And the topic we want to chat about is really generosity. It's something that's been coming up again and again and again in our business circles. But I think, and I've just got this conviction that there is something that God is doing in the earth today. And we get invited and get to be a part of it in part through generosity. And Aaron carries this message. His business is around this. He's doing this with his life. And uh, welcome, Aaron. Thank you, man. So happy to be here. Love you, man. So tell us a little bit about your background. Give us some context of who you are, where you're from, and then what you're doing right now. Yeah, so just a little bit of backstory. I, I own an investment firm today, and uh, we have locations in Florida and Oregon. And uh, we run a nonprofit called 33rd Company, where we take the, the kingdom of God to the most dangerous and unreached places. And we equip the local church and the everyday believer to, to live on mission everywhere they go. And uh, for the last eight years, been a senior pastor, just ended doing that about a year ago and now help serve at a church here in, in Florida. So it's been uh, it's a lot of different things going on at the same time. So there's business, there's philanthropy, when intentional kingdom minded philanthropy there, there was pastoring. And I believe you got a family. Got a family, three kids. Yeah. Uh, a lot of fun, 11, nine and five. So in the, in the thrills of, you know, uh, after school sports, homework assignments. So that, that role of your life never ends. That's for sure. So tell me about the journey of really generosity for you of, how did you get, like, how did this get stimulated? How did you get into an, even a finance company? Uh, you're pretty young by the looks. If you can't see him, he's actually pretty young. How old are you, Aaron? And what was that journey into this? Yeah, I'm 34. Um, and uh, just to kind of give a history on the generosity side, I, first of all, I would say that one of the best ways that the Lord begins to speak to any of us is through our resources. It's probably one of the first ways we begin to hear the voice of God. And uh, I can remember I was about 16 years old and uh, the first time I really felt like I heard the voice of the Lord and he told me to take all of my favorite clothes and to give them all away. And at the time I thought, man, that's the dumbest thing ever. Why? I thought it was the devil. Like, why, why would you have me do that? And uh, I kept hearing him. So I went and I gave away all of my favorite clothes and um, I got nothing in return, got no clothes, you know, had, had all my old clothes and have a job. So I had to wait till Christmas and my birthday came around to get better clothes. And then two years later, I was 18 and the Lord spoke to me to give away my car. Again, didn't have a job. I just started college and it told me to give my car away. I, and I gave away my car. I thought, and you'll laugh at this. I thought I was going to see in my driveway the next morning, a Hummer with a boat <laughs> in the driveway. <laughs> And it was going to be a sign from God saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Here's your prize. And there was nothing. There was no boat. There was no Hummer. There was no note. And it taught me something and uh, that, that we don't give to get anything in return. We, we're, we're not living a generous life with strings attached. Yeah. And uh, that kind of began me on a journey where um, the Lord just started to challenge me in giving and, you know, in, in anything in life, whether it's prophetic, whether it's evangelism, whether it's business, everything is progressional. You know, you, you're starting small. It's whether God can trust you with the little so he can trust you with much. 
And so then God would ask us to help somebody buy a house. And then God would, and why we wanted to buy a house. And then God would ask us to do other things. And every time we said yes, and each time the request got bigger uh, until one point, I can remember we had saved a bunch of money to, to build our dream home. And I uh, was actually in Texas uh, and at somebody's house and we were go- ready to go to TD Jakes the next morning, which is my hero. And uh, was in the Lord woke me up in the middle of the night, told me to take all of our house money and to start a nonprofit and take the kingdom of God to the most dangerous places. And woke up the next morning was like, that is the craziest dream I've ever had. Went to church and in the middle of T.D. Jake's message, he stops, not to me, but just to the whole group. And he's like, God spoke to one of somebody here last night to do something crazy with all of your money. And you questioned it. You don't know if it's really him, but I'm here today to tell you that it's God. So I went oh, home wow. and like, hey, T.D. Jake's just prophesied over me. This was crazy. And uh, she was all for us. We took all of our house money and we gave it to the Lord. And uh, we watched literally within four months, a business we had wanted to buy this investment firm I have today uh, got offered to me that I've been working at for about eight years. I was 29. And uh, all of a sudden, what should have taken five or 10 years was accelerated. And I, I watched my income for about four or five years, double every year, one year after the next. And the Lord kept asking us to do crazy things. And he told me multiple years, you know, you need to give an X amount and uh, then the next year it was to double. And every year I go to the Lord and I ask for specific numbers. If, if God doesn't give me a number, I'll give too low. So I need specific numbers of what to give or else I'll shoot really low because I'll, I'll, live, I'll live comfortably. And uh, so not every year the Lord keeps raising those bars. And uh, uh, even a couple of years ago, the Lord told me everything you make more next year than the previous year you have to give. Right. So it's always definitive. It's always real. And anybody who wants to live a lifestyle of generosity needs very clear numbers or else you'll give too little. So people are listening and they're like, Oh, you just must have a gift of generosity. Would you say it's a gift, like a gift of faith, or is this something that, Everyone is called to live. Like, just define to me, what do you mean by generosity compared to, you know, the Christian tithes and offering? What are you actually talking about, Aaron? Yeah, well, I think all of us understand the concept of tithe. In fact, I think if anybody has been in church for longer than five minutes, we've heard tithing. Tithing is 10, right? Tithing is not eight. Uh, Tithing should be on your gross. In fact, the only time you care about net versus gross is when you're talking about tithing. If you tell somebody how much you make, you always go gross and probably add 10%. Uh, But tithing, right, is a commandment in scripture that we all should obey. But generosity is what's above the tithe. And I would tell you first and foremost that everything you own is the Lord's. So for most of us, we struggle with 10%. I would tell you this, that God's not after 10% of your money. He's never been after 10% of your money. God's after 100% of your money. So what the church has unfortunately done is we've only focused on the 10 because sadly, that's all that pastors sometimes know what to focus on. They don't understand that the 90% is just as important as the 10%. So what what we like to do, especially when I was pastoring, we'd have a lot of series called the 90, the 10, and the 100. And we'd focus on the 100. And the Bible gives very clear instructions on how we should steward the 90. And the 90 should be done with budgeting, should be done with investing, right? There's principles of multiplication in scripture. And that 90 is the seed to advancing so much in the kingdom of God. Now, all of us make different levels of money. Some people make 50 grand, some people make 500,000, people make over a million dollars a year. But that 90 is the, 
is the gift that God has given you to steward and to live a life of generosity. And whether you give a hundred bucks a month or whether you give a million dollars a year, God can use those seeds to do amazing things, just as we see with the loaves and the fish. So the size is not as significant, just as a faith as small as a mustard seed can move a mountain, a gift of a hundred dollars can move mountains just as a gift of a million dollars can. So generosity should be and can be practiced by anybody of any income level. Yeah. So you've been an employee. You said you're an employee for eight years and now you own the company. Um, You said generosity is what you do over and above the tithe. It's what you do out of the 90%, not out of the 10, because the 10% below, like it's God's period. Well, it's 100% is God's, but we're talking about the 90%. Talk to me about the difference between how you did generosity as an employee compared to how you look at generosity as an owner. Well, I think any business owner, especially anybody who's listening, your goal is that your employees think like an owner. Right. That's what we preach. We're like, oh, man, we wish our employees thought more like business owners because they would steward better. Well, I felt like the Lord challenged me years before I owned the firm, like treat it like it's yours because it will be. So before I first of all, before I can ever ask God to trust me with millions of dollars a year, he needs to be able to trust me with one hundred thousand. Yeah. Right. This is a story of the talents. Yeah. So God looks at us at these servants and he says, because you've been faithful with 10 or because you've been faithful with five, what does he give them? He doesn't give them just more money. He now entrusts to them cities. Yeah. So I believe that my faithfulness when I was an employee did not just give me more money. More money has limitations. I'm still an employee, but uh, there's limitations. But more money gave me a business. Yeah. So. When you're faithful with the manna, with the unrighteous mammon, then God can entrust you the true riches. Now he's given me a business where I can steward people. And I believe that God wants to give us cities. He wants to give us businesses. He wants to give us regions and elements of influence that is not just money, but the true riches, people, healing, the prophetic. He wants to give us regions that we can begin to influence to see the great move of God. So good. So, so the, the other piece of this that I want to, for, you, for you to unpack is you talked about this. So as an employee, this is you. As an owner, you've got investors, you've got shareholders, possibly. Uh, you've got uh, employees. As You're married. So there's different stakeholders. So how do you navigate generosity when there's other stakeholders involved? Perhaps you can talk about it from your marriage point of view and then different stakeholders, whether that's the business or that you're doing generosity with? Yeah, great question. So I'm, I'm married and I also, I have a business partner, right? So uh, there's the, both of those angles and anybody who wants to live a generous life uh, and you're married, you both need to be on board. Um, I am thankful that my wife hears the Lord better than I do. (laughs) My wife grew up, um, with not a lot of money, right? So for her, she had to get over the poverty mentality, which is very difficult. And there's a lot of people who struggle with that. But once she got over that, she's way more generous than I am. In fact, I would hear the Lord sometimes to give X amount and hers would always be double. Yeah, and We would always go with the, <laughs> and you've probably had that. Yeah, go with a high, go with, go, yeah. yeah. So, uh, and with my business partner, you know, it's, it's all the same thing. I, 
I put the same expectation on my wife or my business partners as I do myself. We need to hear the voice of God. So we live by the mentality that we need daily encounters with Jesus. I need to be in the presence of God on a daily basis. And when I am, I will hear him. So in the same way that I'm pushing myself, my business partner is pushing himself. My wife is pushing herself to say, what we've been entrusted with is not to benefit my life. It's not to benefit our lives. God did not give you a business. He did not give you lots of money to drive nice cars and to have a house and to go on great vacations. That does nothing for eternal perspectives. He gave you all of those things to partner with him and to advance the kingdom of God. So everything we've been given is his. What we do now is we say, God, what can I have? What is for me out of my allotment? So here's my 100. 10 is to you out of the 90. God, what do I get to keep? Because everything is yours. And that's where my wife comes into play. My business partner comes into play where we can say, okay, God, what's What's for us this year? The rest of it is the joyful experiment of being able to live a generous life. So follow on from this. There's a couple of things. I want to come back to the poverty you talked about. So look, if we can unpack that, what that is, how that affects people and how to get free from that. Second thing is uh, you talked about your, your, your wife is on the same page. Actually, if she's, it's about you getting on the page with her. It sounds like it. Uh, your business partner is on the same page. And the key is not about just doing stuff. It's about following the voice of God uh, with you, with everything that you do. What do you do when someone's not on the same page or not on the same page yet? Yeah, well, I was, so when I was senior pastoring, we had a team and I don't advise it for really any place. Now my brother's the senior pastor there is great. But for many years, him and I did together, we had a team that we had a bunch of senior leaders and it taught us something in that team where you celebrate your weaknesses and you celebrate other people's strengths. And there becomes a dependency on one or another. When you think of like a, a yoke of oxen, when they pull or a horses, when they're pulling a wagon, they're, they're depending upon each other and yet they're carrying their own weight. So there's multiple times where, depending upon the season or the issue, I carried the strength. And so they depended upon me. And then there's other times where I was the weak link and they were the strong one and we depended upon them. And in marriage or a partnership, there's various seasons where, hey, they're full of faith in this season, but I'm, I'm more struggling. Or they've got a better perspective. They're hearing the voice of God and maybe I'm not. So there, there, in any partnership, there must be a willingness to submit or to leap, depending upon what, what the season is. And so we've just kind of learned, hey, we're, we're going to trust each other, yeah. but we're always going to err on the side of giving more. So if we're ever going into a situation and my wife's like, I think we should give this and well, my number's half, we will always go big or if it's in reversal. So look, it's a dot death to self experiment, right? Whether it's parenting, whether it's with finances, whether it's with moving or job changes, whatever it is, you're trusting one another. That's why daily encounters are so important. So when my wife says a number, I trust her because I know she's met with Jesus, Yeah. right? Trust me because I know I meet with Jesus. And when it gets really big and gets really crazy, well, then we fast. Yeah. If we're having we're questioning, we don't know, we fast. And every time you kill your flesh that way, your spirit will always come alive and you'll hear clearly. Yes. Yeah, so I'm loving the context of your story. It's not like you just, God said one night randomly give away your house deposit it's been a journey since the age of 16 so tell us a little bit about your wife you said she you know it was tough for her 
coming from a poverty background. I, I'm assuming that's physical as well as mentality. But talk about what do you mean by poverty and how does that affect our approach to generosity? And then yeah. how do we get free from that? Yeah, well, let me first of all say that poverty has nothing to do with money because there's, again, working as a, as an investment advisor, I work with people who have millions of dollars and live in a poverty spirit. Yeah. So, but for her, it was also practical. She had amazing parents. They were pastors. They had nine kids. And so they just, they didn't have a lot. And their parents were incredible, provided as much as they could. But for all intents and purposes, financially, it was a challenging, it was a challenging uh, early upbringing. Um, and so one, even before we started having money, that poverty spirit spirit would raise its head in the way of, well, what if we don't have enough? Yeah. If we give away, what if, what if we can't pay this? Uh, and even though she was incredibly generous, that fear, and even it would, it would show itself even in making excuses. So when you have success, you try to minimize it. When you have success, you excuse it away. You apologize for blessing, right? So that's where that poverty spirit can come even when there's favor on your life because you can have a lot but you're always apologetic for it right so and as we all know we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and spirits of darkness so spirits are real and that poverty spirit can strangle you and really prevent you from living a generous life it can also cause you you can live a generous life yet feel guilty for ever having anything so it can suffocate you on both realms but probably maybe five, six, seven years into our marriage, she got incredibly delivered from that where um, that freedom to trust the Lord to say, even if we gave it all the way and we had nothing left, that we would we would be fine with that. And to really trust the Lord and that extravagant generosity. I, I've, again, I'll use the term extravagant generosity because I feel there's tears, right? And there's that progression, but to live extravagantly generous you're going to have to kill that spirit very quickly or else it will stop you. So there's people on the call right now listening to this and they, they're recognizing, oh my gosh, that's me. i got the fear of never enough. Uh, it just applies to everything, whether that's money, time, it, it, like they will work consistently. Just never, I can't stop working because it's never enough. Yes. They never have a Sabbath because the core of it, like you said, is the trusting the Lord. How, like there's people hungry right now to get free from that. What would we do? Well, first of all, you mentioned Sabbath. Like there's supernatural aspects of scripture that you can partner with. First of all, you have all authority in heaven, right? So you can take authority and get freedom immediately. In the same way that tithing and the Sabbath, similar principle, I'm going to trust God that me and him with 90 is better than me on my own with 100. Yeah. Sabbath. Trust that me and God with six days is better than me on my own with seven. Yeah. Right. Similar principles, both supernatural in nature. Look, for me, one of the greatest ways for me to break through fear is to run right at it. Yeah. Some of the best <laughs> ways to break through a poverty spirit is to run right at it in generosity. I'll give you a quick story, uh, especially if somebody's listening and they don't have a lot. And you're like, how can I even live a generous life? So we just started pastoring. This was a, almost nine years ago uh, in May of 2014. And we inherited a building. It cost, I mean, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 just to keep the lights on. We had like 90 people at the time in the church, couldn't afford it. Uh, the bank came to us in early 2015 and said, if your finances don't change, we're going to take the building back. 
And we're like, what the heck do we do? We, we didn't have any money. We were going backwards every month. And uh, we got our eldership team together. We got all the pastors together. And we said, we, we need to hear the voice of God. And in that meeting, the Lord spoke to us and said, you need to give. And we made a commitment in our heart. If we're going to go down, we're going to go down swinging and we're going to hit the devil on the way out. <laughs> and so we had nothing. Like we yeah. literally had nothing. The church wasn't growing. We were at about eight months in. And we said, okay, we're going to tithe. We're going to give 10% of every dollar that comes into the church. We're going to give it away. And even though we don't have it, we're going to trust that, that God's going to honor this principle. The moment we started tithing, yeah. which was probably March or April of 2015, our church began to explode. The finances increased, the attendance increased because we simply partnered with this supernatural principle. So I believe that that anybody who's maybe, man, I don't have a lot or I struggle with lack. When you just run right through that fear, when you look poverty in the face and say, okay, if my, if my God is with me, if he's really going to bless me, he's, and he's going to provide for me and he's, he's commissioned me, he, right. The Bible says to test him right with your finances. I'm going to, I'm going to take that stab and I'm going to step out in faith and take a risk, I promise you, there will always be a harvest on the end of generosity. It will always be there. And the good thing is this, is that harvest doesn't always look like money. Sometimes I'm thankful that he doesn't return more money to me because I got bigger needs than money. I want my kids to know God, Yeah. right? My son's waking up every morning right now doing a daily encounter. He's 11 every yeah. morning. That to me is the harvest of my harvest. generosity, way yeah. more than making more money every year. So those are, those are the reasons why I take those steps of faith. Yeah, I love it. So if you're listening right now, uh, Aaron, I just want you to pray as well. There's a grace that you carry and a boldness because of your history with God in this. I just want you to pray, and I'm, I'm just agreeing with you right now that we're just going to see something shift. Uh, wherever people, if they're struggling with poverty, just the stronghold of that is broken. And if you're listening, there's going to be an action step for you out of this. You've got to do something like lean in, run into that, go down swinging. Uh, and for those of you at a different level, we're going to circle back around and there's a challenge for you as well. But Aaron, I just want you to pray yeah. however you feel led and let's just see what God will do. Yeah, Lord, we just take authority right now over anybody struggling with a poverty spirit and we declare freedom Yeah, in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you that you are the God of more than enough. You have every resource. Uh, Father, you are the need completer, the need filler. But God, more than that, you are behind us. You are with us and you are for us. God, I just declare right now that fear needs to leave in Jesus' name. Fear of not having enough, fear of never being significant, fear of not having uh, the ability to create wealth, fear yeah. go in Jesus' name. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to come. Yeah. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come and build life. We ask you to come and even raise expectations, bring hope, bring faith to begin to believe God that their generosity, their giving, their life can, can give significant impact to the world around them. And Lord, even those people who, who are carrying wounds from their childhood, wounds, Lord, even from parents who have said things to them, Lord, curses that have been spoken on them, that they'll always be a failure. They'll never succeed. They'll never be able to make it. Lord, we just break those in Jesus' yeah. name. Yeah. And we declare the identity of Christ. Yeah. And Lord, and we thank you for the promises of God over each person listening, Father. And we thank you for freedom in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And now if you're listening, then 
you should be still on right now. Just ask the Lord, what could you do? What, what have you got in your hand that you could actually do something with? Aaron was talking about the widow's mites. She gave from her lack and Jesus noticed. So whatever you may have, like just do something. Like Aaron said, go out, go in, go out swinging, and then let's see what God will do. And Andy, just to piggyback on that, there was a widow that a prophet went to. Yeah. And the prophet said, I want you to go make, first, first of all, the prophet doesn't try to fix her problem first. He says, go make me some bread. And she's like, ah, but I'm going to die. He's like, I don't care. Go make me some bread. And for a moment, if Andy and I can stand in the place like of that prophet and we say, go be generous. And like, but you don't understand. And we're like, no, 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 no. We don't care. Go make some bread. And you're like, but I don't have anything. And this woman replies back and she lists the ingredients of bread. She's like, all I have is a little bit of olive oil and some yeast or whatever she says. Right. She literally says, I can't make you bread. I don't have anything. But then she says, I have the ingredients of it. And I would tell you today that even though you might not think you have a lot, the ingredients of generosity at your disposal. And I would tell you to go in, to shut the door and to begin to expect God to do something miraculous through your life, even though it may seem insignificant. And yet that that prophet came and he blessed them and they were able to sustain themselves for years upon years. And not only them, but their family. And I believe that that's going to happen to you as well as you step into that level of generosity. I agree. I absolutely agree. Uh, I mean, our life is a story of this. Uh, at your age, we just paid off the debt of our house in New Zealand, had a great income, and God said, leave everything and go to a new country. <laughs> we called it eating our house for the next three years. And I am just astounded as we leaned in. Went, I, I can't say that I did it well. It provoked. It's like as you lean into it, God has continually and is continuing to bring freedom from the fear of lack and this continual invitation to trust him more. And I'm hearing that in your story is a continual journey of growing. So jump back. You mentioned 33rd company. Yeah. Tell us about this. This So you've got this investment company and you've got a nonprofit that is, tell us about this because this sounds exciting. Yeah. So 33rd company is basically the idea is where Jesus was when Jesus died and that's where we pick up the torch and we keep running. He died at 33. And it's twofold. One is to take the kingdom of God to the most dangerous and unreached places, which we do a lot of work in Iraq and Pakistan and Israel and Japan. And then it's to help the local church and the everyday believer be on mission everywhere they go. So the local churches, we have an amazing tool called Belong, where we help them with new believers. And we go and we equip the church to go and to live like an evangelist every day, everywhere they go. And the person who started with me, uh, Chris Donald, is one of the best evangelists I've ever met in the world today. He's incredible at equipping and inspiring people to live on mission. He is. And on the on the um, on the mission side of things, the dangerous places, God's just given an incredible favor to us. And so talk about generosity. What we do is we go to these countries and God connects us with somebody. Somehow we get connected with somebody, he always opens a door, and we'll go to him and we'll say, Hey, look, God's put dreams in your heart, and you haven't been able to do it for years because you haven't had the resources. Well, we want to provide the resource for you. We want to help you take the gospel of Jesus where you haven't been able to go because money has stopped you. And there's always something. And so we, whether it's in Pakistan, where we've hired, we've got about a thousand leaders in Pakistan right now, pastoring a great move of God. Okay. In the 
Pakistan, seeing thousands of people saved all the time, or Iraq, we're preaching the gospel in mosques, uh, which has never been done before in recorded history, seeing the gospel preached in mosques, seeing it happen regularly, uh, looking at hiring uh, evangelists in Japan right now to preach the gospel in Tokyo. So Israel seeing <laughs> equipped there. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's incredible to see what God is doing. Um, and so that 33rd company has really been kind of a tool where many different people like myself have been able to live generously to give to that and to watch how their dollars can go and impact the world around them and uh, be much bigger than just a hundred dollars can impact a lot. A hundred thousand can just impact a lot. And yeah, yeah. imagine what happens when you can get generous business people together to do that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I love that. It, was it one of the Finneys? They had this approach in, this is way back, 1700, 1800s, you know, make as much as you can, save as much as you can, give as much as you can. And what they did around the world is phenomenal, which then sparked the, the Great Awakening in the United States. So I'm loving it. And I'm hearing through all of this. I think this, it's like feeling provoked or con not convicted. It's more provoked, invited into a whole nother measure of generosity and believing God for more so that we can be a part of some of these exciting things that are going on in the world. But let's finish this. Number one, where do we find out more? If I want to find out more on this, number two is bringing people back into like, a, like that's awesome. Let's go to fund these things in Iraq and Pakistan and, you know, South, South America, wherever that may be. But there's stuff in everybody's backyard. And you and I were having this conversation early on. But number one, where, where do we find out more about 33rd Company, about any of those things? And even yeah. around, would there, would there be a best resource that you would suggest for growing in generosity? Yeah, well, just on the 33rd side. So the website's 33rdcompany.org. That's 33rdcompany.org. And you can just learn more about what we're doing there. Real quick, I, I want to just, for anybody who's listening who has money, let's assume that there's people listening and yeah. you're well, you and let's say success is you're making over you know three four hundred thousand dollars a year like you're thriving you've got you've got excess let me talk to the people with excess for a moment um if to, to start living a generous life first of all you need real numbers you need to ask god what that looks like for you if if you just say i'm going to be generous you you won't be i have a conviction that says Gen you're not being generous until it's painful you you will feel it uh, if you follow Andy and he challenges you to to walk supernaturally in the marketplace, all those are painful steps. Anytime you prophesy over somebody, anytime you preach the gospel to a client or to an employee, there's an element of pain. You're you're dying to yourself. You're breaking through fear. You're taking a risk. You could make somebody not like you anymore. There's an element of pain. Yeah. And you feel that from the moment Andy starts talking. In the same way, generosity there's an element of pain. So I would tell you, if your life does not have to change, you're not living generous. Let me say it this way. Um, my, I give hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, and I could do a lot of things with that money. My yeah. life change yeah. because I give. Your life will have to change to live a generous life. Each one of you are really good at saying no. It, Let's be honest, each one probably has already said no in the last month to ways of being generous because you're hesitant. You don't know if you can trust the organization. Maybe the pastor is trying to manipulate you, whatever it is. And so you create all these excuses and you do nothing. 
And what you end up doing is you compare yourself to the person who makes 50 grand, who gave a thousand, who is patting themselves on the back because that's extravagantly generous for somebody who makes 50 grand, but you gave $5,000 and you think to yourself, man, wasn't I great? No, that wasn't generous. I can remember I was sitting with somebody recently who they gave a car away and they were so excited and they sold it. So they didn't need the car. They sold the car. There was like $10,000, $20,000 of equity and they gave it all away and they were so excited. I was like, that wasn't generous. Like you still have your same cars you had before you did. It was a third car. You sold it. You gave away the money. You didn't need the money. That's not generosity. Like that's, that's simple. So I would, (laughs) there must be an element of this where you feel it. It's painful. Like you're going to have to change your life and your family will feel it. So I would just put, push you, those of you who have extra, like, Put an expectation on yourself to say, what, God, I start with the Lord. God, what are you asking me to give? It's going to be a number that's that's painful. It's going to be a number that's more than you want to do. That's okay. Start there. Then you will circle back and say, that's out of my 90. Okay, God, what's left for me? Yeah. Put it in perspective. Um, we built our dream home in Washington. And we said yes to everything for this house. It's the perfect house. And before it was even done, the Lord told us to move. We couldn't move into the home. Living this lifestyle of generosity is going to be full of opportunities where you say no to things that could benefit your life. I remember asking the Lord, God, then why did you have me build it? Because you clearly spoke to me to build this house. He told me two things. He said, well, first one is because it was in your heart. And I want to see what's in your heart. And second of all, he said, I needed something else for you to say no to. (laughs) And well, that sucks. Yeah. But. I will, I will I will encourage you with this on the other end of that is some of the greatest joy you could ever imagine yeah. every time they know to things man we experience the fullness of God like we never have before the same way where Abraham goes to kill his son and God says stop there's a ram all of a sudden Abraham experiences a side of God he's never no one in scripture had ever seen before yeah. but it was as he was obedient and he took the risk, God revealed another aspect to him that nobody has seen. And I believe God will reveal those things to you as you step out. I, I love this. I mean, just listening to you, it's just inspiring. And I know I, I love this approach to like, if my life doesn't change, I'm not being generous. Like, wow, Aaron, you're taking it to another level. And I just so appreciate that in this realization. Wow. We've got comfortable. It, it triggers me because we had a dream home in Redding, California. I'm not going to even talk about it. Just the whole and and coming to the East Coast, we thought it would be the same, and it's not. And it's been painful, and our lives have had to change. And I'm sitting here thinking, oh wow, that was actually generosity, and the Lord's led us, and He's been so good. So let's bring it back to just final thing. Everybody listening, uh, there's opportunities all around. And so we talked about just getting everybody activated to giving right where you are. How do you want to kick that off? Yeah, a couple of practical steps. First of all, you have everything you need to be generous. Yeah. Okay, you don't need more. More money never solved anybody's problem. Okay. God's also not going to trust you with more until he can trust you with what you have. Okay, so get get those things out of your mind. You have everything you need to be generous. Step one starts with daily encounters. You need daily encounters with the Lord. Meet with him daily. 
He'll build your faith and he'll speak to you. He probably already has. You've just been saying no. Okay. So step one, hear God, get the numbers. Okay. Step two is change your life. Okay. You can't be generous without specifically stewarding the 90 well. Some of you don't budget. Listen, I make a ton of money and I know where every penny goes. I keep track. I know where it is because it's really easy for money just to get spent on frivolous things when you have a lot. Budget. The Bible talks about budgeting. You can't steward if you don't have a good budget. You need to invest. Okay. The Bible talks about investing in Ecclesiastes, multiple streams of income, right? You need multiple streams of income. Take the 90 to the next step. When you begin to live a generous life with the 90, God's going to begin to trust you with ideas of how you can live even more generously. And they will always be painful. Let me just say it this way. There was a year where God had me go from $50,000 a year generous. This is above the top to give away 50. And then he said, now double it. And I remember this was a, a number of years ago. And I said, God, I don't have that money. I can't like 50 was a stretch and you provided it, but God, I can't give a, I can't give a hundred next year. And he said, well, Aaron, if you will say yes, I will provide the money. Yeah. So it, it began to teach me something where my, my yes to generosity is what opens up the abundance. Yeah. A lot of times we think God's going to provide the abundance so I can live generously. That's not how it works. My yes to generosity is kind of like when Moses steps into the Red Sea, then it parted. It didn't part until he stepped into it, right? Your generosity is what will open up the Red Sea of blessing, but you got to say yes first and then he'll provide it. So get the number, get specific. And then change the way you live with the 90 steward that well so you can give more. Yeah. And I love this. This is not about you. This is about being part of something so much greater. Number one, daily encounters. Hear God, get the numbers. Uh, And I love that. You're probably already hearing it and you're making excuses. So you already know that. Just do it. Number two, change your life. And and what are you doing with what you already have? If you haven't, get a hold of some and a crown financial is a phenomenal tool. Uh, Dave yeah. Ramsey's got some great tools. There's plenty of resources that you can access on some very, very good money management tools. And, and I love it. Just in all of this, this is about a partnership with God, not about beating yourself up. Just say yes and ask the Lord to lead and guide you. And he's so good. He is literally the good shepherd and he leads and he guides you really well. And not only that, Psalm 23, I always have more than enough. Amen. So, Aaron, thank you so much for your time. This has been super grateful. I'm thinking I'm stirred myself. I'm going to have to go and talk to my wife about what we do different and how we do it and what we need to change in our lives. But the greatest thing is all about growing in our partnership with God in all of life. Amen. Thanks so much. Thanks, Andy.